Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week Kevin and I read every chapter on Visit Shonen Jump website, as well as another collected volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And this week we read Kingdom Hearts because I wanted to. Yes. That was a very emphatic yes. Before we get to that, though, we've got what I thought was a very good issue of Shonen Jump to talk about. Yeah. I said that last week, too, but almost everything in this volume I liked. And that starts with a brand new series since they're dropping like flies. Yes. Zipman, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, 001, you and I are Jackman. And I think this might be a manga that was made just for me. What did you think about this new series, Kevin? I see a lot of promise in it. I I really did like this manga. The premise, I for whatever reason, seemed cliche, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> have you seen this premise before? Because I have not and would like more of it. I, I do kind of get what you're getting at. The, I think the there very, are aspects of yeah, it. Yeah, I was like the very basic level of like, it's the two brothers, you've got this physically gifted one and the super smart one. Gotcha. And one of them is dead, but not really. Slash. Not, well... Not even that they were, not even that the one was necessarily dead, just the, all right, we've got the scary looking physical one and the smart one that everybody likes because he's smart. And I like just something about that was just like, oh, this again. And I was like, wait, I, but I've never seen this before. Why is my brain telling me, oh, this again? Yeah. On the other hand, the physical one does just want to be common writer, not actually common writer which is what the, is going to happen to him yes but the common writer standing in this world he wants to audition to get that part but they're always like ah oh, nah, you're a bit scary you'd be a great monster though yeah because he and his brother have a crush on the same girl who liked this character that's to be fair they also like his kids yes so to impress her he just really wants to be jackman who is this common writer standing yep well, and I don't think it's just to impress her, like that definitely is a driving force, but he also is like, I want to be the Jackman that helped us out as kids. Like, I want to be that guy to help other kids to make other people smile. Like, he just kind of latched onto that, and it was eventually turned into, well, if I can become Jackman, then I can make everyone smile. Meanwhile, his brother is dead. He was super smart. He got his doctorate at age 12, and at age, I think they're 17? 15. Uh, I think. Oh, well, sorry, I thought you were going to say the the things he started. He founded his own company at fifteen. Yeah, and then I think they are seventeen now. They are seventeen now. He has died, succeeding a company with a long lasting legacy of philanthropic work, mostly doing medical engineering, prosthetics, and helping disabled people and the like. Yes, and then the town is attacked by a giant robot. Yes, and his brother calls him and starts using slang or I guess nicknames for him. That only his brother knew. Well, his brother starts texting him. Yeah. You're right. It is a text, not a call. For whatever yes. reason, I was thinking it was a call. Probably because I heard this a couple of days ago. And he's like, hey, put on this suit. And he's like, what? Are you still alive? What are you pranking everybody, bro? Yep. I was. I cried at your funeral and everything. He's like, no, you need to get in this suit that I am possessing, Five Nights at Freddy's style, yes. to become a superhero and punch a robot. Yes. And he's like, sounds good to me. Yeah, I do really like that moment where he's like, his brother's like, just put on the damn suit. Get in the robot, Shinji. <laughs> yes. Although well, he's not like, I don't want to get in the robot. He's, he's like, like, wait. Please explain this to me. Yeah, he's just kind of confused <laughs> at first, but he's like, all right, well, I still don't get it. But if I put this on, I can save everybody, right? Excellent. And he goes out and does it. Also, I love the bit where he's like, all right, you need to use a finishing move. Cool. What is it? I don't know. Didn't you make this thing? It's like, yeah, but you're the dork who likes making up finishing moves. <laughs> it's like, okay, rocket punch. Oh my god, my fist flew off. <laughs> Even his brother's like, wait, you did that? So yeah, it was, it was very good. And we continue on with the good with My Hero Academia number 252, The Unforgiven. What did you think of this chapter of My Hero, Kevin? I really liked this chapter. It starts off super solid with Bakugo being caught up in Endeavor being a dad. Yeah, and just Endeavor's happy- just like hugging his saved son and Bakugo who saved him so hard. Yes, I, I love the moment where he uh, Bakugo's like, it stinks like old man, because he's like pissed. But Endeavor is just like, basically... He's bear hugging. He's bear hugging both of them, but it was mostly like, the only reason I'm hugging you is because you are next to my son. 
I also love there's this very goofy panel of Bakugo slipping out of the hug like a Looney Tune. Yes. That's also very good. Yeah. So it starts off with that, which is very solid. We get an explanation of the one guy's powers, which ends up being really cool, but seeming like most... (laughs) Very specific. Super specific and like sounds dumb on paper without... This was a great way of revealing it because it's... We got to see how his power was useful. And then someone was like, yeah, he can control white road paint. What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was on a road. Yeah. We also see everyone who Deku saved being super grateful to him. And more Bakugo being Bakugo, being like, ha, we did, we beat you in a week. And then if we're just being a super grateful dad, being like, yeah, great job, kids. Yep. And he was like, like, I hesitated and you guys flew it. And Bakugo's like, you're supposed to be pissed. How are the unnamed bodies doing, Deku? I don't know who you're talking about, but the civilians are okay. I also like that Bakugo reveals he has picked a hero name, but he won't tell Deku or Shoto what it is until he tells someone else, which I presume is Best Genist, but I'm could assuming, be All Might or... I'm actually thinking it's either Best Genist or Midnight. Min- oh, Midnight, okay. Because Midnight, Midnight was... Well, Midnight was the one who was in charge of their naming class yeah. and who turned down all of his names. So I thought Best Genist makes a ton of sense from a storyline standpoint, but it also could be a Midnight thing where he's like, I need... Like, everyone else got Midnight's permission. I need Midnight's permission to get my name. I also thought maybe Kirishima, just because they're bros. Possibly, but I don't think that's who he'd want No, that seems like the darkest horse candidate of the four we name. Yeah. Anyway, Endeavor's like, I'm going to build you guys a house, and then I'm going to be a sad, lonely dad without you. Yeah. (laughs) To atone. Yes, it was a very... Like, I love the... He's being very shown in anime about this and kind of an idiot, but I also love that. Yeah, I really liked the ride of that, where it started off being funny with Bakugo being Bakugo, and then it just turned into Endeavor being like, yeah, so I realized that I did abandon you guys, and I don't want forgiveness, I just want atonement. And I realized that in my dreams, you are always a happy family without me there, so I'll just build you a house that's better for all of your commutes so that you can be a family together, but I'll stay here. And even the son, Nato? No. I think it's Nato. His Nato? I, I, that's, and Nato might be this, how it is, too. I Yeah. Is kind of getting like, no, I told myself I was going to hate you forever. Quit. <laughs> Quit making me not hate you. Yeah. So, very good, my hero. Again, it's been on a roll lately. Yeah. Which brings us to One Piece number 964, Odin's Adventure. What did you think of One Piece this week, Kevin? I really liked One Piece this week, too. I really liked just kind of the Odin's adventure, where he throws a chain around the Moby Dick as it's preparing to leave, like, uh, Whitebeard, I knew you were going to try and leave in the middle of the night, so I'm here to beg you to take me with you. And then one of his vassals, I forget his name now, is Isaki. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah, but one of his vassals was like, Odin, I knew you would try this. I've been following you. And so the ship goes off, uh, or Odin's being towed along by the chain, and Marco's about to undo the chain, and Whitebeard's like, wait, just bring the one that grabbed onto Odin, leave Odin on the chain. And part of me is like, how? I think they're separate chains. Is how I, I, did, I, I read well, it a couple days ago. I remember looking at it and it was one chain because it was Odin through the chain and then his vassal jumped onto him. So part of me was just like, okay. Devil fruit powers. Yeah. Some some kind of weird. I have the chain fruit. I can pick one link in a chain. Yeah, but he tells Marco to do yeah. it. And I'm like, Marco has Phoenix powers. And probably prob- not yet. Yeah, I was like, probably doesn't have them yet because you probably don't have a deck hand. <laughs> to be fair, he might have gotten them before joining the crew. But I totally also possible. Yeah, he does not have his powers yet. But anyway, so Whitebeard makes the ultimatum that if Odin can hang on to the because it's go, he's like it's like kidnapping royalty. This is just going to be bad. So if Odin can hang on to the chain for three days, he'll welcome him into the family. Yeah, as kind of like a, a test of resolve. So Odin does it for like two days and twenty three hours when he notices someone being menaced by slavers. He hears a woman crying for help. Yeah, he's like, "Up, that's what I'm about." Yes. And so he washes up on shore and finds the time lady that I forget her name. So do I. 
But she's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm from 800 years ago, but I'm 23 years old. Yes. I was going to go into the future, but you saved me, so I could just hang out for a while. Yep. And then Whitebeard shows up, and he's like, I noticed that you left to go save this woman, and I can't fault you for that. So, welcome to the crew. Yeah. And meanwhile, we jump cut to Goldie Roger. He's like, man, this Whitebeard fella sure is taking all my cool publicity. Well, no, that's... That's Buggy. Oh, yeah, and it is Buggy. You're it's right. Buggy being like, why are white, Why is Whitebeard all over the news when we're the ones mixing it up around here? And Roger is like, yeah, so I heard Whitebeard has a samurai. Some dude <laughs> from a, uh, not an exiled country, a closed off country. I want to meet this guy. Yeah. So we are probably going to get some Goldie Roger in a proper flashback. Probably. Also, <laughs> Dogstorm and Cat Viper. <laughs> also uh, uh, stowed just, away. On the yeah, just stowed dick. away on the ship and show up <laughs> after the three days. <laughs> And he's like, what What are you two doing here? And someone's shouting, we've got stowaways. Like, man, those guys are pretty good that they were hiding for three days on a ship from your crew. They did get into Wano, so. Yeah. But it was just like part of the, and so all of them got invited. I love the little montage of every time they go to a new island, Odin just doing random things like, we're being attacked. And he just cuts the ship in half and they're like, Odin, we haven't plundered anything yet. <laughs> That, there's a set, there's a shot of him being frozen, him on fire. I love one. I think he's in. I I couldn't exactly tell, but it looked like he was at Big Mom's kingdom. Obviously, before Big Mom. Yeah, yeah, before Big Mom. But it looked like he might have been at her kingdom. It it might have just been some random kingdom, and it's him just running around being like, "What's this?" And they're all like, "Hold on, we've got to do reconnaissance first. because <laughs> he's just yeah I, yeah enamored I, with the outside world. Yeah, I really like his viewpoint on that. Where it's, I never realized I was so small until I started traveling around. I saw new things, big things, big strength. Like, he sees parts where Whitebeard has to step in and help fight something that maybe even he necessarily couldn't fight. And he's like, it opened my eyes to just how small I was. Because I was the big fish in the small pond. And now I've been thrown into the ocean. And it's so amazing out here. Yeah. I really liked it as well. Which brings us to Demon Slayer Chapter 185, A World Without Smell. Hey, Nezuku woke up. Yeah. <laughs> Nezuku's got to go take care of her brother. Yes. Because just like happens a lot in the series, their dead family has shown up to been like, Nezuko or Tanjiro, they need your help. <laughs> Actually, a lot of the time it's them talking to Nezuko, if my memory serves. It's like yeah. her, her spirits of the family show up and be like, hey. Tanjiro needs your help. You should go help him. Also, they're talking about some sort of like medicine as a ticking clock. So I guess they stab Nezuku with the make you not a demon medicine and it's going to take effect at some point. Well, That's they what I was gathering. Yes, I. they were not sure if it was going to work or not because she's the first one they've tried it on. And now the person who made the medicine is dead. So they're kind of like, we don't know if it's going to work, if it's going to backfire, if it takes a while. Because it's like this is literally the first time we've used it. You know, how long does it take? Uh, you, you got me, man. I, I've never done this before. And that's all I remember from this chapter. So I have to go off my notes for the rest. I know the Hashira is getting beat up by, what's his name? Muzan. By Muzan. But then the Rock Hashira and the Wind Hashira show up. Yeah. There's a great sequence where the the Wind Hashira, when he shows up, cuts Muzan in half. Yeah. Uh, like, head to tailbone. And then throws a bunch of liquid bottles Adam, which Muzan just kind of instinctively cuts, and it gets him soaked in, like, gasoline or something like that, and then the Windhashra lights him on fire, which is pretty great. Then Gin... No, not Ginryu. This is just Gin? I think it is just Gin. Gin tells this random nameless scrub. He does have a name. uh, He does have a name. Neither of us remember it. No, but this random nameless scrub... I don't even know that we necessarily knew his name beforehand. Yeah, I know. But he, like, uses his name. It's an important plot point that yes. Gin uses his name. Yeah, so he's like, you know, hey, you, Steve. That's not his <laughs> name. But he's like, hey, Steve. you, Steve, you need to go protect Tanjiro. And Steve is like, oh, my God. Gin knows my name. You know, and it's just that. Senpai noticed me. Yes. <laughs> we do find out he was in final selection with Gin. So. But he's like, we haven't, like, spoken to each other since. Yeah. Which just helps reveal Gin is actually a good guy. He's just very quiet. Yeah. And so then we cut to Tanjiro kind of waking up in this weird world and being like, wait a minute, I can't smell anything. Which is, if you're Tanjiro, 
probably the first thing you try. But for normal people, they probably wouldn't immediately notice I don't smell anything. But considering that's his thing, he's got super smell. He was immediately, I, I don't smell anything. And also, he looks like he does in the first chapter. He's got even his hatchet as well. So I imagine yep. he's in some sort of purgatory or heaven or something. Some kind of limbo thing, yeah. He's done this a couple of times where, not this specifically, but like, reverted to memories. Like he had that thing where he first learned how to view the inner world where he reverted to memories of that one time with his dad and the bear. And he like, he viewed them in a dream sequence rather than just like, oh yeah, now I remember. Yeah. Anything else about Demon Slayer, Kevin? Not really. It was pretty good, but like, it was just kind of like, all right, the Hashiro showed up and then Tanjiro's in a coma dream? Question mark. Yeah. And well, Nezuko's awake. So there's like good stuff happening, but nothing huge. That will bring us to Samurai 8, Chapter 29, Yoshitsune's Calling, which I felt was kind of a very fast chapter of Samurai 8. Not like My Hero last week, but it seemed like not a lot happened in it. I I agree with that. And also, I feel like way too much was shoved into it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how to put that. I agree with you. Like, it feels like information errors, like exposition dump the chapter where it's like, all right, here's all this stuff we need to tell you about. And I'm just like, I'm kind of getting overloaded here. Like, maybe if you had just focused on, I'm just going to keep calling them Ko's backstory thing, that would have worked better. But you also had the, oh, yeah, there are these other samurai and Ben's now bonded with his moon key holder. And also the room is power up or off. Yeah, like, that was fine, but, like, now they've got to make a plan to break out of the seal that they're in, and, oh, no, half the, like, 70% of the samurai here are actually working for Ben. He gave them those keys so that he could steal more keys, and it's, like, it's just, it's too much in one chapter. Which is all on top of Yuchisune slash Ko's backstory. Yeah. Which is probably the bulk of the chapter. Yeah, which was fine, but it was just, like, there's just, there's too much thrown at me. It's not like I hated it. I just that was the feeling I had during this was like this is a bit of a exposition dump. Yeah, it was a very solid chapter or issue of Shonen Jump overall, which is the main reason that Samurai Eight didn't rank super high for me. But it was a weird chapter in that regard. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to say about it? Not really. Well, that will bring us to Beast Children number twenty-seven. Keep moving forward. Long live Beast Children. It left us as it came to us. Eh. Yeah, yeah. That this came out. Of, this ending came out of nowhere. Like it's a little more ending like once. Like it doesn't feel like the ending, but there is a bunch of stuff flashing back to Sakura with needing his mentor. Yep. And once you like that makes more sense when you find out this is the last chapter. Yes. But boy, did it just feel like another chapter of Beast Children. Yep. Until at the end, it was like the end. Yeah, and I was just like, wait, what? And so it's like, all right, it's done. It's like, rugby is about crashing into each other. Let me state all the themes real quick. Okay, yep. goodbye forever. Yeah. So, it was something I never really got into. Obviously, not a whole lot of other people did too. Which, you know, I feel bad for the artist. But at the same time, I remember when this one first came out. And I was like, I I really see this manga struggling to deal with Haikyuu. Because, like, I don't feel like sports manga are super in right now. That's just the from that's the feeling I've got. And I'm like, this one is super established already, and it's probably hard to have two sports manga in jump specifically. Right now. Yeah. Well, like, they have other don't they have a or maybe they did at one point, didn't they have a sports manga like book? Like uh, not they the main... may have, I don't know. I know sports manga used to be super huge, but yeah. that's like pre Dragon Ball. Used yeah. to be. So I, I think it just that that's kind of faded away, and this person was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, it didn't really work out. I was like, yeah, sorry, like, there's only one sports manga going on right now, and that kind of has, like, the novelty of being the only sports manga, and trying to jump in on the bandwagon against the 300-chapter Haikyuu that's been going on like a juggernaut for a while is going to be difficult. Well, and obviously nothing in this generation, so to speak, of Jump caught on. And I don't know how common that is. Because, yeah. like, Chainsaw Man from, like, the first batch we, of new stuff we got is still around. Yep. Jujutsu Kaisen is fairly I, recent. I guess Samurai 8 and Beast Children were 
at the same time. So I guess something did hold on. Okay. So. Samurai 8 just feels so established because of its pedigree. Yes. And there's there's that to it. But like I was saying, Jujutsu Kaisen is... So maybe it was just this batch was kind of bad. Because like Act Age and Jujutsu Kaisen are roughly the same time period. Actually, I think they ran in the same jumpstart. Maybe. And also, I'm, about it. I'm saying that. But I, like I said, once I remember... Oh yeah, Samurai 8 still around though. Like yeah. I said, it was a Chainsaw Man last time. So something did stick around. Yeah, it just felt like... But, like, I, I imagine Tokyo Shinobi's gone next. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm assuming it's dead. I'm assuming it is as well, but there was a point in time where we thought Chainsaw Man was dead. Yeah, but also, it was more of a point where I wanted Chainsaw Man to die. I didn't actually ever think it was dead. I gotcha. I was just at the point where I would have rather had Hellwarden Higuma survive. Yeah. But, like, it had such a strong start, I didn't actually think it was going to die on the vine. Yeah. Which is more important. Anything else you want to say about Beast Children? Sayonara. Yeah. All right. It's gone. I guess I don't have to read it anymore. Which, <laughs> like, I never hated reading it, but it was always just the, okay, that was a chapter of manga. That's for sure. That leads us to Act Age scene 92, Reckless. What did you think of Act Age this week, Kevin? I thought it was pretty good. I do like the, I did really like the emotional bit of, the side character that I wish I knew more of now because Takimitsu, who's clearly been more established in past arcs. Yes, that's because it's like, oh, he was the he was like her K's buddy, buddy. He was like her co-star in Dead Island or one of the main stars. And he's like, because he got dejected in the last chapter, he's like, yeah. So, I mean, like, is there really any point to me going out there and doing anything like Yonagi? has put this huge gap between us as actors. Uh, or I kept telling myself that, only I realized that I I was the one who put the gap there. I kept being like, don't worry, I'll support you, I'll support you, I'll support you. What about myself? Yeah. And the priest guy who plays mob boss is like, yeah, every actor gets to that at some point. And you're just going to have to figure it out. Yep. And Ogami's like, hey, I am the crazy star who always overshadows people, and I owe everything to all of you schlubs who will actually act opposite me. Yes. I do <laughs> I do really like the way he interjects himself into that. He's like, can I see something? She was like, no. Uh, or the the one other female. Yeah, who, she's actress. like, no, we need to do makeup right now. The next scene. Yeah, well, not, it wasn't just that. She was like, basically like, no, you're not a normal person. He's like, listen, I don't understand normal person feelings. That's exactly why I said you shouldn't say anything. But then he decides to go method, and instead of getting makeup, he just injures himself, so he will be bloody in the next scene. Yes. So, like, I liked it. Nothing particularly stuck out to me, and the particular emotions in it, I wasn't, I didn't feel like feeling. Yeah, I get what you mean. So it was like, oh, this was a pretty good chapter, but... Just like a lot of those things, this is like, yeah, I enjoy like sad stories or angry stories or stuff like that at certain times, but a lot of the time I don't like, I don't want to feel sad now. I don't want to listen to this song or watch that movie. Like, I, I don't want to feel sad. <laughs> well, speaking of not feeling sad, that leads us to We Never Learn, question 138. Sometimes a maiden's sweet sentiments are connected to X, part two. Called it. Yeah. My, my first note is Kevin wins. Actually, my first thought is last time, and we never learned. There's like a, for some reason, a brief recap, which I feel like we never get. Yeah, even in the two parters. Yeah, that was weird, but it was like it was funny. Too. Yeah, like just to because it wasn't like a, it wasn't even a full page. It was like a it was quarter. two panels, I think. Yeah, last time on we never learn. Shenanigans are about to happen. Yes, now shenanigans. Super popular kid comes up and is like, oh, thanks, UGF, for holding all my chocolate. Yeah. He's like, it must have been heavy. And so then it turns out that he had been holding it for super popular kid. And Uraka's like, oh, okay. Because at first she was like, wow. Like, I knew, you know, you'd been helping out a lot of people. But I didn't think you'd be this popular. And he's like, well, I'm not. <laughs> but then that it makes Uraka miss her chance to give her the chocolate first. Yes. So Furuhashi does. And she has blood in the chocolate somehow. Because no. she's a bad cook. It's not blood in the chocolate. I think she there's like hard bits or something like that. Like the implication is he cuts his mouth because there's like very loud ah, crunching sounds when I he's gotcha. eating it. And he's like, oh, look, a little bit of blood. And she's like, 
Are you sure? I thought I heard something crack. <laughs> and he's like, nah, it's good. It It's good. Yes. Ogata made udon-shaped chocolate. That was, I really liked that, where she was like, would you like some udon? He's like, I'm having trouble opening these cho- these chopsticks. And <gasps> is this whole thing made of chocolate? She's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, but of course, they're just obligation chocolate. Definitely no romantic feelings, no. Why yeah. would you think that? Well, she actually doesn't. Like, is she the only one who doesn't say that? I know well, she, all the other girls I, she does, but like everyone else that says it, like says it kind of teasingly. But well, uh, Furuhashi says it very seriously. I feel like no, Furuhashi definitely says it because she's like she's just like Uraraka the first time. Like it's just platonic chocolate. What are you talking about? Kind of like trying to deny her feelings, but it feel like it felt like Ogata was like, I really I'm giving this to you because you helped me out so much this through the year, like. Even though she still ha- does have feelings for him, she was like, I wanted to give you a gift because you've helped me out, not just in the fact that I like you, but the fact that you helped me grow as a person and realize my dreams. Yeah. Whereas Konami is super teasing. And is like, yes. oh, hey, these are just obligation chocolate, but also you're the only person I'm giving any to. So, so maybe it's romantic chocolate. <laughs> and she was joking that it was like, that'll probably get me a good present on White's Day. <laughs> yeah. He's like, bye. You owe me. Okay, hi. Yes. And then Kirisu just, like, is at the grocery store randomly. He's like, oh, they gave me this, but I'm watching my figures, so here. Yep. Meanwhile, Uraki is stalking him the entire day, trying to find a chance to give him her chocolate. Yes. And she flashes back to all the times she's failed in the past. And it's sad, and she's like, oh, maybe I won't do it this time. But then she realizes, oh, there won't be a next year. Yep. And as he's getting to his house, she gives him the chocolate. And as soon as he bites into it, he remembers all the times in the past that chocolate just mysteriously showed up on his desk and tasted exactly like that. And we find out super popular friend was always just stealing Uraka's chocolate and giving it to Yuiga for her, which I found super sweet. Yeah. Yeah. She what she would do is she'd make the fancy chocolate heart, but then she couldn't go through it. So she'd chop it down and make it look like it was the cheap store bought chocolate. But it was super popular friend who would put it in his desk of like, oh, there's always this one piece of store bought chocolate. On Valentine's Day, like, how nice. But he, he never knew who it was from. And as he's realizing it, his family all pops out and teased him. Yes. Well, and both of them are kind of like, maybe it was romantic. No, it was just platonic, because they all <laughs> pop out. <laughs> yeah. I love how the, the mom's like, oh, was it maybe romantic chocolate? No, it was just platonic. Aww. <laughs> and the sister and brother are like, come on. Yeah. It was very good. Anything else you want to say about We Never Learn? Good as always. Yep. Well, that will bring us to Hell's Paradise Chapter 78, which you just read it. How did you think of it, Kevin? It was pretty good. Nothing particularly stuck out to me. And with this being an amazing or with this being a very good Shonen Jump, it didn't feel like it was good. But it was just just because it was good meant that it wasn't top tier. There were a lot of things I liked about it. I liked the kind of most competent character immediately going, I'm going to have to do this alone. Yes. And then immediately realizing, oh, wait, no. Like, my brother has actually become super competent without me. Yeah. And I need to use all this because they're a fusion team and they'll just trade weaknesses. Yeah. And I did like that. I did like the... Because he has that moment of, like, if if I try and bring my brother into this, he's going to die. And then his brother ends up, like, saving him isn't the correct word because he's technically immortal in this form but saving him from an attack and him being like oh maybe i was wrong i did like that moment anything new else you want to say about hell's paradise i do like how the bandit brother tricks the samurai into helping him out oh yeah of like the samurai guy's like i don't need your barking orders he's like oh, don't worry about it i just need you the best blade in the world to help me take her down oh oh all right do then <laughs> and his brother thinking in the background he's got that look on his face like when he's manipulating his flunkies <laughs> yeah i rather like that take like i said i enjoyed this chapter of hell's paradise quite a bit so did i just i more meant i enjoyed a lot of this a lot of the manga in general, so it was kind of hard to rank some of these ones. And this one was like, I like this one. I like this. I liked a lot of these more, though, which I I don't want to say unfortunately, but it was just kind of one of those. Yeah, I like this. It was good. And speaking of what was good, we'll talk more about that in Jump Card.
Jump Card is a segment where we rank all the chapters from this week's Shonen Jump, from our least favorite up to our favorite. Only 18 this week. Yep. So what do you have at number 18, Kevin? I have Tokyo Shinobi Squad at number 18. I don't. Do you want to know why? Sure. The name of Tokyo Shinobi Squad's chapter this week was Tokyo Shinobi Squad Part 1. And I was incredibly disappointed that that said Part 1, because it meant it wasn't the last chapter of Tokyo Shinobi Squad. But often when these manga end, they name the final chapters after themselves. And I am more excited for the idea of Tokyo Shinobi Squad ending than I was for the actual ending of Beast Children, okay. which made me feel nothing in okay. its final chapter. Yeah, I just, I got very confused with the woman with the visualizer talking about, I don't know how Jen beat some dude. I was like, is it the dude he's fighting now? I think it is. Okay. So I was like, is this some weird flashback or is she talking about, because I think she was in the the testing program. So maybe she was like, I don't know how he won in the test. Maybe. I I don't know. So that, that threw me for a loop. And then I'm like, all right, cool. Tokyo Shinobi. Yay. <laughs> what do you have at 17, Kevin? I have Mitama at 17. Actually, what do you? Oh, sorry. I have Beast Children. Children. Yeah. I have Mitama at 17. I kind of didn't like bringing back the gag of the dude who is like my great grandfather or my grandfather was a great detective and now he's become a muscle bound dude who's like, I must use my deductive biceps and stuff like that. And it's just like, this is just, it was a bad gag before and now you just reused it and I didn't like it the first time and it's worse the second time. I actually liked a bunch of the muscle bro jokes in that. The ending of the chapter definitely brought it downhill. I have Tokyo Shinobi at 17. Okay. Because I wasn't that excited that it might end. Yeah. What do you have at 16? I have Beast Children at 16. Like, I realized it was the ending, and it was just kind of the, oh, all right, well, I guess that's done. So, like, that's nice. I have Mitama at 16. Because, like I said, the muscle bro jokes I thought were funny, but the rest of the chapter didn't really work. I some of them pro- were funny but like it just got brought down by the fact that because the gag was out it was like oh it's me again I was like oh great you <laughs> and so that just kind of dragged the whole chapter down when it's like hey do you remember this character that you absolutely despise yes well I'm back okay well this is gonna I'm not gonna care about this chapter at all <laughs> what do you have at 15 Kevin I have Haikyuu at 15 and it like it was okay I did like the thing of, like, we're time-skipping again, so we're still in Brazil. We haven't quite left yet, uh, but we're, like, moving forward through his time in Brazil at a pretty fast clip, and his roommate is going to propose to this girl if they win this game, so he's like, excellent, I'm going to, uh, we're going to play this game, we're going to win, he's going to propose, and I'm going to go back to Japan. (laughs) Yeah, I actually really like Haikyuu this week. For that end, because we find out about his rich friend back in Japan. Yes. Which I also enjoyed. Like, I'm not saying that I didn't like Haikyuu. I just, I liked a lot of the other stuff more. And I'm not a huge fan of the art style, so that always tends to drag me down just a little bit. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at 15. Okay. And I really can't remember why. I seem to recall nothing really happening. Not really. It's not much higher for me. It So, Itadori, uh, we cut away from Gojo-sensei to Itadori who's outside of the, like, the cursed area that they're in. Mm -hmm. And they're like, all right, well, there's two barriers, and there's something probably in the middle that's maintaining the interior barrier. So we need to go take that out. Because, like, the interior barrier stops Jujutsu Sorcerer, so we can't get to it unless we take out the other one. So they're like, all right, it's probably somewhere over here. So Itadori is sent out to go fight it, and it turns out to be this giant grasshopper man who's like, Hey, you're smart. Uh, no, he's like, I'm smart. Th- yeah. That's the first thing he says is like, you know, people who have had their bodies changed don't taste as good. And I know that because I'm smart. And he's like, you probably don't even know what kind of curse I am. He's like, you're a grasshopper curse. <gasps> he's smart. And then, or no, that was after Jin like punch, him. punches him once into the wall or something like that. And even Jin is like, I, I did like this bit of the his face at the end of like, are, are you kidding me? Like, this is what I have to fight. Because he realizes that, obviously, it isn't this stupid grasshopper thing at all. There's, like, some weird totem. He's like, that's probably the thing maintaining the barrier. I just need to break that. Yeah. What do you have at 14? I have Chainsaw Man at number 14. 
I both liked and disliked the joke of Denji being an idiot. Yeah, me too. One. I didn't put it much higher than you. Yep. I'm also very confused because the shark guy seems to know Lord Chainsaw from before. And yeah. I'm like... Yeah. I find that interesting. I No, I do find that super interesting, but I'm also confused because I'm like, wasn't Pochita the Chainsaw Devil? Yeah, but this could be from far before, right? Because Pochita yes. and Denji weren't together like their entire lives. No, but it just seemed it just seems incongruous that it was like ah he was Pochita. Why? <laughs> but I do like the implication that it was like he was ridiculously fast because he would shoot out his chains to hook around buildings and stuff, like Spider Man style. Yeah, and Denji is like, oh yeah, well that one guy had the sword draw move that let him move around, and what's her bucket uses explosions to get around, so I should use my powers. And uh, he's like, you become a shark. All right. And then he just <laughs> rides the shark with the chains in his mouth. And I was like, I both like and, and dislike. dislike that joke. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's where I am, too. You are. Yeah. So that's how I feel about the chapter. I'm like, it was funny, but I am that- slightly annoyed at myself that I found it funny. I have Dr. Stone reboot at 14 because, boy, did I really like when it changed focuses to Rel. Mm-hmm. And man, is that already wearing out its welcome. Especially when every week Rel's like, I like Senku, a character from another popular manga you might know. Yes. <laughs> Shall do this thing. Yeah, it's not much higher on mine, but I did still find this pretty cute with it being like, all right, well, as weird, as stupid as it is, in order to get water, I need to go 66,000 kilometers away instead of the 200 kilometers it would be to get back to Earth because of the forces of gravity. <laughs> so he goes out to the comet to get the the rocket, and I just. I don't know. I just, I did kind of like that. Where there were like, parts I liked about yeah. it. Like I said, it was a pretty stacked shonen gun. Yeah. But I did not like it nearly as much as last week. And I might have put it up quite a bit more because I realized I was being harsh on it last week. That's definitely fair. What do you have at Lucky 13? I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 13. And I have Chainsaw Man there. Okay. Yeah. I I don't have anything else to say about Jujutsu Kaisen. Like, it was, it was pretty good. Like, I do like Itadori at the end being like, you're sm- or the grasshopper demon being you're smart. I are you are you kidding me? Like you're a giant grasshopper. What do you mean I don't recognize what kind of <laughs> curse you are? What do you have at twelve? I have Doctor Stone reboot at number twelve. I have Doctor Stone Classic at number twelve, and not because I disliked it, just because, like I said, it was a real strong so, chapter yep. of Shonen Jump. Yeah, and there was stuff I liked in Doctor Stone. I enjoyed the read, but at the end of the day, not a chapter that super stood out. Yeah. I have missing Yozakura family at number 11. Yeah, we're at 11. So yes. If that's I've what you have there. Yes. I was like, wait, no. I knew what was next and then forgot the number. So I have mission Yozakura family at number 11. And I kind of liked the... So Taya was picked up a crazy stalker who's the, like, I love you so much, I'm going to murder you. Yeah, that's a trope I super love. And I feel like this chapter really prayed to mission Yozakura's strength. So I have it much higher. Yeah. I had a hard time ranking well, a lot of this stuff. That's super fair because everything yep. here I liked. Yeah. So I did really enjoy this chapter. And I also liked how. So uh, what's the girl's name? Oh, God. What is her name? It starts with an M. Yep. I wanted to say Mitama. That's not right. Nope. It's Mune. No. Girl. My girl. Yeah, my, oh. my girl. My girl, obviously. She's my girl. It's my girl, my girl. <laughs> I do love the one moment where Tayo grabs her because the stalker's like, uh, why won't you love me? And he's like, well, it's too late. I'm all and he like grabs her and pulls her close. He's like, I'm already married. And, and she's like, you homewrecker, I'm going to kill you too. But then in the end, of course, she ends up when my girl, whose name is, wait for it. Wait for it. Mitsumi. Mitsumi, yes. Mitsumi, basically, a sniper is about to kill Stalker Girl. It's a gunman. Like, well, you, okay, yes. I was like, you you don't he get to call walk yourself, in the window. Yeah, I was like, so you don't get to call yourself a sniper when you're thirty feet from the target through a window. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm an ace ranked sniper. You, you're a gunman. You're thirty feet away. That's pistol range. A gunman is about to shoot her, and Mitsumi tackles her to get her out of the way yep. because she also loves Tayo. Yeah, which, she's like. I, I did really like that of I couldn't let somebody who loves Tayo that much die. Yeah. And so then she grows attached to Mitsumi. Mitsumi. <laughs> I was like, I, I was already forgetting her name. She grows attached to Mitsumi 
which Mitsumi comments on. She's like, she's like a female version of my older brother. Yeah. She's like, yeah, uh, well, don't you love me? Of course I love you. I'm going to kill you, and then I can be with Mitsumi. <laughs> yes. I also love that she's like, oh, Mitsumi, you hussy, I want to kill you. But I promised your brother I wouldn't, because he said, if I didn't hurt you, I could do whatever I wanted to tie you. Yeah, and they were like, yeah, that sounds like him. <laughs> and then we do get a cut at the very end of, so somebody put out a contract on Tayo, which is where she, one of the reasons why she decided to do this. And it's from like, Popo PPO or something like that. I I'm not exactly sure what the Popo Popo. Yeah. I I just I, I don't think it was like Popo Popo. No, I'm looking at it right now. Cuz isn't there like three P's together? Well, it's Popo Popo PPP. There are two P's in a row. Okay. So, there were two P's in a row and that was throwing me off cuz I like it wasn't just Popo Popo. There were but either way, some weird company is after him, and so it's like, all right, here's a hint of like an actual villain. Yeah. Anyway, what did I? Where are we? Eleven. I have Samurai Eight there. Like okay. I said, just like a, a muddled, kind of confused chapter of Samurai Eight. Yep. In a very good week of Jump. Yep. I have Doctor Stone Classic at number ten for a lot of the same reasons. It was pretty, pretty interesting. I, I really liked the bit with the. Uh, one girl that had been helping out Master Ibarra for most of the time was like, wait a minute, you want me to petrify the island? But the Master's on the island. And he specifically told me never to use it over a large area. Are these really the Master's orders? Yeah, and he's like, well, sucks that you figured that out because now I gotta kill you. Yep, and we find out that the thing is like voice controlled because he goes one meter one second and then throws it and we see it creates a tiny blast. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. I have Act Age at number 10. Okay. Liked Act Age, just again, very stacked week. I have Hell's Paradise at number 9. Like I said, it was just kind of just in the middle of a lot of stuff. So, like, good, but... I have Black Clover at number 9. Similar feelings. The girls make fun of Asta, and I always like that. But not a lot happened. Asta's just like, I liberate you. Yes. Be liberated. And then the bad guys were like, machinations. Yes, yeah. let's machinate. <laughs> yeah, I have acted at number eight. I don't have much more to say about it than what we did. I have Haikyuu at eight. Like I said, I just really like the interaction between him and his roommate. I got you. And some of the backstory building. I have Samurai eight at number seven. And it it was a kind of exposition dump, but I did still like a lot of the chapter, even though it was kind of an exposition dump. So that's just why it's kind of, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I liked Ko's, I'm just going to keep calling him Ko, his backstory of it was like, so wait, not only did Ben kill my mom, force my dad to basically commit suicide, and switched my blood so that I never became a samurai, he also tricked me (laughs) afterwards? You have got to be kidding me. I have Hell's Paradise at seven. Like I said, I just think I like the mechanics of that fight more. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I have Zipman at number six. I did really like Zipman. I just think a bunch of the other stuff I liked a lot more, mainly because I know what's going on in the series. So, like, I'm super excited to read more Zipman. I think it just didn't end up, like, it didn't end up breaking the top five simply because the top five this week were longtime juggernauts. Pretty stacked. Yeah, that had amazing chapters. I have Mission Yuzakura at six. Like I said, this is just very much what I want Mission Yuzakura to be yep. every week. I have Demon Slayer at number five. Of the of the top five, this was the one that I was like, there was like, there's a lot going on, and it's like progressing the story, but it's just kind of still transitory. Of like, all right, now we're going to go into Tanjiro in this like coma dream thing that's going on in his head, which should be awesome, but. Like that that was basically the gist of the chapters. Nezuko is still partially at least still part demon and is coming down to save Tanjiro and Tanjiro is in this weird coma dream. I put We Never Learn at five. I definitely liked We Never Learn, but it was exactly what we expected. You literally called it. And while super popular guy being Rock's wingman was cute, he kinda came out of nowhere to do that. Yeah. And it doesn't really change the story much in my opinion. Still super liked it. It's still number five. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, I get you. I had Black Clover at number four. 
I think it was just a lot of the jokes, the girls being mean to Astra, Finroll kind of being shown he's like, I'm I'm engaged to the girl that I like, but he was like, Oh, it was so nice hanging out with these girls. And then he sees the almost naked girls, like, Oh no, are you okay? Wait, no, I can't. I can only be aroused by my fiance. He doesn't say that, but that's basically what's going on in his head. And the younger sister being like, That man is weird. <laughs> yes. So I just I liked a lot of the humor in Black Clover. And then it's like, all right, so we're gonna hear the three new demons. Like that was like the ending of it was okay, but the humor just really got to me. I have Demon Slayer at four. Basically the same reasons you put it lower on the gotcha. stack. I have We Never Learned at number three. I think part of the reason I really liked it is I totally called it. And I just had that kind of like, yes, I totally nailed it. And I just liked the, I really liked Ogata's Udon chocolate. Like that was a really cute idea. That, And I, I just, I liked how she was like, this is genuinely for me or for you helping me out. Like, even though I do actually really like you, she was like, this is a present as you've been a great friend, even though I want you to be more. Mm-hmm. I have One Piece at number three. Super solid One Piece, but not a lot of emotional punch to it. No. I'm very excited to see Gold Roger show up. Yep. Yeah. One Piece was my number two. I liked the actually getting to see Gold Roger was pretty sweet. Like, I don't think that we've barely seen him in the manga. I don't think we've ever seen him say a lot. I know that's not true, but I feel like every time he speaks, it's off panel, right? Yeah, I feel like he's off panel in shadow. It's someone else's flashback, so they're like they're, it's their memory of something he said or did or a uh, story it, they heard about him in some cases. Yeah, so it's like I don't think we've... To it me, definitely it feels felt like, different this yeah, time. It felt, it felt like we've never seen Gold Roger on panel. Even like though we have, picture, yeah, we've but, seen pictures of him, but it's that kind of like th- we're seeing him as opposed to secondhand seeing yeah. him. Like we're seeing somebody who saw him. Yeah, like because this isn't part of the flashback either. But like obviously it's in the flashback story. Yes, but like no one was there to see this part. But it feels like we're seeing it from Roger's perspective. Yeah, so that'll be really cool to see if that comes out. And it was just I I liked the shenanigans. I really liked Odin's when he finally gets accepted. It was his just his whole, wow, I'm so small. And that means there's so much to explore and do and learn and experience. Like, I really like that joy as opposed to there are a lot of people who in that exact same situation would have, oh, I'm so small and insignificant and worth and like just get super down about that. He just had this thing of like, there's so much to do. We can have so much more room for activities, Jeremy. <laughs> we could do so many podcasts if only we had the time. <laughs> I have Zipman at number two. Like I said, I feel like this manga is made for me. I love the protagonist and how he wants to be a common writer actor. Yes. I really like that twist. I also have a brother who I have some professional jealousy of who I feel like is the smart one. And so I really relate on that level, too. Gotcha. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I am the smart one in my family, so. Number one, we have My Hero Academia, because yep. it's good. Because that, that good Endeavor and that good Bakugo stuff. Yeah. I guess Shoto and Deku were there, too. Yeah, they didn't do as much, but it was really, it was Bakugo and Endeavor really taking this chapter. And I just, I really liked the ride of, ah, it started off with comedy, it got really serious emotionally, and just sad Endeavor being sad and being like, it's okay, you guys can go have fun without me. And the, I'm expecting the, uh, you idiot, of course we want you there. Yeah. But sad dad Endeavor for now. Yes. All right. Speaking of sad dads, there are no parents in Kingdom Hearts. Nope. They got cut out of the manga version. Not that they're ever in the video games, but there's one line, and it does not show up in the manga. So we will talk about that after the break. So we read Kingdom Hearts Volume 1, and as I'm a huge, huge Kingdom Hearts guy, I'm curious what you thought of this manga, Kevin. I could definitely tell this was a manga about a video game. Yeah, unfortunately, I was pretty let down by the manga. I'd heard it was a really good adaptation, and when we started this podcast, I kind of said I didn't want to do video game and light novel adaptations, and we threw that out pretty quickly. We did a bunch of light novel 
yep. adaptations. And while I don't think of it as one, Pokemon Adventures is 100% a video game adaptation. But Pokemon Adventures really feels like it's telling its own story with the video game as a guide. Yeah, and it also feels less like the the problem that this has, which I think is the problem that all video game movies or video game manga, I've only read technically two, but I've only really read one that did this, where it's trying to tell the video game story through the manga, whereas Pokemon Adventures seems to be like, here's an adventure happening in the Pokemon world, not necessarily in a Pokemon game. Pokemon Adventures really follows the plot of Pokemon Red and Blue, but that's such a bare-bones plot that they have a ton of room to add. And I was really hoping Kingdom Hearts would do that too. Not that Kingdom Hearts is a bare-bone plot, it's actually a very intricate one, Yeah. but I was hoping that it would be a version of that story, because there's a ton of potential there, and a ton of really good moments, but I feel like a lot of them are not well done, and I feel like the artist of this manga is not a good storyteller. Did you get yeah. that feeling not being familiar with the source material? Because yeah. I felt like there were a lot of like blows and pivotal story moments that got skipped over. Yeah, it definitely felt that way. And um, I don't mean skipped over as in they weren't adapted. I mean as in they happened between panels and yes. you were left to figure, surmise. Yeah, figure it out. It's always one of the things. I think I remember reading this or listening to this about the Assassin's Creed movie, uh, talking about how it had not done well. And somebody being like, the main reason that video game movies don't tend to work is that if you're trying, especially if you're trying to adapt, uh, just literally adapt the plot of a video game, it does not work because in a video game you have agency and in a movie you do not. So the plot of video games is like, if you had designed a plot like a movie that I played as a video game, it would be a crappy video game because all I did was press the A button to go through cutscenes. Like, visual novels are technically video games, but they're more like interactive books than, like, what I think of an actual video game where I get to make story decisions. Even if they don't end up mattering that much, I have agency for my character. Versus in this, it feels like it feels like I'm watching somebody play through a video game, which I've, I've done before, but, like, that's the feeling I get for the thing. And I'm also... I'm not a huge fan of watching somebody play through story like, games and just play through it. Like if they play through it with funny commentary or they, you know, they they're doing something interesting. That's fine. But like this would be like just watching somebody play through the video game without them saying anything like, all right, I'm just like watching the cutscenes in the order they decided to do it. That seems really odd. And I'm extra disappointed because I think Kingdom Hearts has a lot of potential to tell a different story. Like, each Disney World can be like an episode yeah. and have its own story, and you don't have to necessarily follow the one from the video game. Yeah. And they do that a little bit here, but only a very little bit. Yeah. And, and I, never in any way I find exciting. And since I don't know what the story is, I obviously can't tell what the differences are, but... just. But these didn't seem like fun adventures in Disney Worlds to you, did they? No. It seemed like I was watching... Uh, I've seen before uh, super clip super cuts of all the cutscenes. Yeah. So it's like it's like I'm watching all of the cutscenes without any of the gameplay, which I've specifically the only one I went out and looked for was the Deadpool video game, but that was like a comedy thing, and but that's not generally my cup of tea. I'm like I don't want to just watch the cutscenes. I want to play the game and get a feel. Like this didn't even. I don't own a PlayStation, so getting Kingdom Hearts would be difficult, or playing Kingdom Hearts would be difficult for me. And I'm like, this didn't even really make me want to go play the game. And I'm assuming for you, you probably were like, I would much rather have just played through the video game again. Uh, maybe not Kingdom Hearts 1. It's a bit of a slog. But there are lots of bits where I'm like, this is like tailored for manga or anime, and they messed it up. Yeah. Like, the Riku stuff was starting to come into focus in a pretty cool way, I felt, near the end of the volume. Mm -hmm. But there's so much, like, in particular, there's that scene where Riku comes back to Traverse Town and meets up with Sora. Yep. And he's like, now everything's going to be fine. And Sora, like, defends himself. Yeah. Which is a super cool scene, but we don't really see Sora defending himself in it. Like, no. that part skipped over in a weird way. And it feels like the manga artist is just skipping the climax in a lot of cases. Or, like, the most pivotal point of action. Yeah. Um, I did feel that way about some things. And it just... 
because I knew it was a video game, it just felt kind of rushed. Like, all right, we end this cutscene and then immediately jump into the next cutscene. Well, there was like two hours of gameplay yep. in between where stuff was happening, not necessarily the cutscene level stuff. Where it's like, well, we don't see him getting stronger, or even them hinting at it, or what they're doing. It's Some like, of that was handled okay. Like, yeah. there's the boss fight from Wonderland, where in this they do like a very shonen anime thing, and that's yep. where they have him learn Blizzard. Yeah, it's super weird that right after that he does the training with Merlin, which is from the video game and where you learn magic in the game. Yes, but I don't know how weird that came off to someone who doesn't know that. Yeah, it it didn't come off super weird because it felt it felt like the Merlin training wasn't him being like, I'm going to like, I'm going to teach you how to use magic rather than figuring out how to shoot magic out of your sword. Like yeah. is what it felt like he did with Blizzard. Like, Hey, I'm actually going to give you some magic training. Not because even he's like, you did pretty good, but you need actual training. You can't just intuit everything. And there's lots of video game stuff in here that I feel like you should cut out for an adaptation. Like the Ansem reports, which I kind of get why they're important to the plot. Yeah, but like they are a collectible in the game, and I feel like they could have handled that way better instead of making it feel like a collectible in a video game. And they keep bringing it up too. Like they didn't. It wasn't just the like they brought it up even when he wasn't finding pages. It wasn't like oh, I found a page after this thing. Oh, hey, yeah, that's that Ansem report thing. That's important, right? Like, oh yeah, Ansem reports. It's the only thing that explains the Heartless, and they bring that up like three or four times in this volume. And I was just like that. That's that was one of the things I was like, yep, I'm watching I'm I'm reading a video game right now with your, all your stupid they even mention it like, oh, there's so many fetch quests or yeah. there's so well, many collectible quests. There's a cover that was the 101 Dalmatians cover. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the collectibles in the game is the 101 Dalmatians. I'm like, if they put that in this manga, I am done. There is no reason for that to be in the manga. There's barely a reason for that to be in the video game. Yeah. So uh, I just, I was like, yeah, it's me reading a video game where even the the character in the game is complaining that there's too many damn collectible quests. Yeah, so I found it really disappointing because I'd heard, like I said, that there was a pretty good adaptation. And I think that the strength of Kingdom Hearts, especially the first one with the entire franchise, is the story. So I was hoping this would be another cool way to experience it. Yeah, And maybe it gets better as it goes on and the games become a little more story driven. But man... I was not impressed with his first volume. No. And yeah, it, it just felt like I'm watching all the cutscenes back to back. Only I'm reading it. And it's not like it's a, even from a, like a manga standpoint, it's not like it's a particularly striking visual adaptation. I'm not saying that the artist was bad, but he didn't do anything super cool. It was like, yeah, it's like I'm watching finalized versions of the storyboards. Almost. It's almost like you're watching a, like blog let's play with screenshots instead of a video let's play yeah yeah that that actually makes a lot more sense where it's and, just and screenshots for some reason he didn't screenshot any of the final blows or yeah maybe because there was too much motion so he's like well i have to capture these more still images so that i can actually get it because i don't have a fancy camera you know i'm like using the print screen feature yeah on my 60 fps monitor and this pacing of it's super weird. This is the thing you were talking about where it feels like it's jumping from cutscene to cutscene. Yeah. Where there would be gameplay in between. But also the chapters frequently are super short and feel like they accomplish almost nothing. Yeah. When at first I was like, 25 chapters. And then I was like, oh, that chapter was like nine pages. Why was that a chapter? Like there were several of them where I was like, like all three of these could have been pushed together into one chapter. It would have felt normal it probably had to do with the way it was serialized initially probably but yeah it felt really weird i do like the way he draws final fantasy characters yeah like it's interesting but i like leon training at the waterfall <laughs> like he's like i'm into my shonen final fantasy 8 anime Ugh, it's a very serious anime where i have to train yeah and i like their interpretation of hades it, he gets a little more character than he does even in the video games and he's one of the characters they give the most to and I like the way Maleficent is drawn. But for the most part, this manga is just, like I said, disappointing. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about it, Kevin? Not really. It's just one of those things of I'm the more and more I see of them, I'm just I'm hesitant to do any kind of video game adaptation because of that. Because of that loss of agency, it takes away something from the story because good video games that are written like that have that agency taken into account when writing their plot. 
so that it feels it injects you even more into the plot. Like I got to make those decisions. I'm even something like, as people always like pointing out mass effect has, well, I mean, you can make important story decisions that don't change anything. I was like, yeah, but it still feels like I'm making decisions. Even if I realize at some level that all I'm doing is changing the color of the ending, it still felt like I got to make a decision. And kingdom hearts is a game with almost no agency over the story but you're still making decisions in combat and stuff. And like yeah. the battles still feel like big anime battles that you had to fight your way through to get to the screaming about friendship afterward. Yeah. Well, and like not all video games have agency over the story, but because you have agency over the character and a bit of his growth, probably even in kingdom hearts, you kind of, you connect more to that character because you're like, yeah, I've been running around with him for two hours fighting the heartless. And now I'm in this big boss battle. And then the story feels more like, yeah, I've been adventuring as opposed to, I've been watching this kid adventure. All right. So I think if you don't have anything else to say, that'll lead us to personality power level, right? Yep. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from the best to the worst. At the very top is Uzumaki Naruto. Who's in a number of bad video game adaptations. Yes. And some good ones. At the very bottom is that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. Not Yamcha for fighters. Yes. Dead in the center, we have Tomura Shigaraki from My Hero Academia. So, I think we rank Sora, because he's the main character, obviously. Sora, even in Kingdom Hearts proper, has the protagonist problem pretty badly. Yeah. Where he's not as interesting as a lot of the other characters that get introduced later. Like, even in this manga, I don't think he's as interesting as Riku. No. But also, this manga version of Sora feels like a watered-down version of that Sora. Yeah, it feels like... He's, he's got barely he's, any personality. He's the Keyblade holder. And? No, that's it. But doesn't he, like, I need to save my friends. Okay, so he's the Keyblade holder with a mission. And that's it. I don't think he's as good as Red, our other video game protagonist manga character. No. Probably not as good as Ichigo from Bleach. No. Probably not as good as Eren from Attack on Titan? Mm, no. Probably good as not not as good as Saitama from One Punch Man even. No, I'm I'm a huge Saitama fan and he has more character even though like even in the first episode just being the strongest dude who's realized oh there isn't any challenge anymore is a character trait as opposed to Sora really feels like he's just there. Like he's He's, he's got a bit to him. He's got like a bit of teenage mopiness. Yeah. I think some of that, though, is the like in the video game, because you control him for large sections of the game, you connect more. So you want him to be a little blank. And like I said, even there, he's got a bit of the protagonist problem where yeah. the characters around him are much more interesting. Yeah. I would put like Kingdom Hearts video game Sora above Ichigo, but we're ranking manga Sora. Yeah, who who seems like he's just there. I want to put him above Sora from No Game, No Life, but I don't think you're going to let me. No, I I really like Sora. How do you think he compares to Toriko? That seems like about the right spot, right? Yeah, that does. Because Toriko also has the protagonist problem of, I'm the super strong guy. Okay. I want to put him above Toriko, but I know some of that is video game Sora leaking in. Yeah. Who's below Toriko? Yo from Shaman King. Which is, like I said, we are in the right area. Yeah, we're super in the right area. Yeah, I could see I could see putting him above Toriko. Because, like, besides Toriko wanting to eat, like, he's also a you know, dude with a mission. Toriko's got a better mission, though, because he's got, like, that full course thing. Yeah. Like, I want to put Sora above Toriko, but the more I think about it, I think probably below Toriko above Yo. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think he's better than Yo. All right, so Sora from Kingdom Hearts goes at number 45, below Toriko and above Yo. All right, that will do it for this week. What are we going to read next week, Kevin? So just before that, I wanted to interject one thing that popped into my head. I okay. kept thinking that Kairi was Kari from Digimon. <laughs> from Digimon. They have very similar looks, don't they? Yes. Um, I was like, the manga version specifically looked exactly like her, and I kept misreading her name as Kari. I'm like, well, I know they introduce stuff from other properties, but they literally have Kari from Digimon <laughs> as one of Sora's friends. What? I don't remember that. Kairi is better than Kari, but not by much. And hey, it's pretty telling that we didn't talk about Kairi at all. Yes. Because I 
like Kyrie is an underused character in Kingdom Hearts, but I really feel this manga just did her really dirty because I feel like you get almost none of the connection between her and Sora, no. which is one of the main driving forces in that first Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah. And that might be part of why the manga feels so bland. Yeah. Well, because they skipped a lot of the, um, cause I think I, at one point I tried playing the Kingdom Hearts game uh-huh. uh, back when I had a PS2 and something happened with the disc and I wasn't able to continue, but like I got to do that first section where you do a lot of the bonding with Riku and Kairi. And I feel like the Riku stuff comes through pretty well in the manga. Yeah. But they kind of just skipped over the Kairi stuff of like, yeah, she's the girl. Well, like the entirety of the Kingdom Hearts fan base, this author ships Riku and Sora and not Sora and Kairi. Yes. What are we going to read next week, Kevin? So speaking of shipping next week, we're going to be reading Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. It was a manga that I haven't, I can't remember if I've read a bunch of it. I saw the anime on Crunchyroll and really enjoyed it. And it was just something that is like, oh, I would like to read this manga of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. It's cute, funny, silliness. So that's something, that seems something fun to do for the holidays. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Until then, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wendt on DeviantArt. www.lastpodcast.com is our website, where you can check out our other podcasts. Kevin and I just released a special episode of It's a Gundam, in which we watched Gundam Wing together. Kevin doesn't even know what a Shar is. That's how little he knows about Gundam. Yes. And it was pretty good, so you should check that out. Anything you want to plug this week, Kevin? Not this week. Have a great week, guys. Stop.